Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast recording of the Old Testament. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort's been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. I'll be using for the text the Joseph Smith translation of the Old Testament, along with many commentaries from general authorities of the Church, BYU professors, Bible scholars, and others. This format will be very detailed, and so if you want a deep analysis of the Old Testament, you come to the right place. Thanks for your attendance. All right, this episode is going to be for 2 Samuel chapter 13. The price of David's sin of murder and adultery was high. He spent the rest of his life regretting it. In one psalm, he expressed his mental torment and pleaded for forgiveness. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me throughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Eventually David received the assurance that his soul would be delivered from the lowest hell. But this assurance could not restore the blessings he had lost. They were gone forever. David paid another price too, an earthly one, which haunted him until the day he died. The sword shall never depart from thine house, the prophet Nathan told him, because thou hast despised me, the Lord, and hast taken the wife of Uriah. This prophecy was literally fulfilled. This section of your study of the Old Testament depicts the sorry story of how David's earthly kingdom began to fall apart through inner contention and strife. David lived to mourn his sins in mortality as well as in eternity. That was out of the manual. Verse 1, And it came to pass after this that Absalom, the son of David, had a fair sister whose name was Tamar, and Amnon, the son of David, loved her. Tamar was the lovely daughter of David by his wife Makah, and was the half-sister of Amnon. Amnon was the eldest of David's sons, having been born to Ahinoam while David was at Hebron. He was the crown prince and the natural heir to David's throne. The love Amnon felt for Tamar was not the love of a brother for a sister. It was a consuming lust which drove reason from his brain. The parallel between David and Amnon is evident. David had set an example in not having the spirit control the body when he gave in to his lust for Bathsheba. He also had set an example of plotting ways to cover up his sins, and that was out of the manual. Verse 2, And Amnon was so vexed that he fell sick for his sister Tamar, for she was a virgin, and Amnon thought it hard for him to do anything to her. But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shemiah, David's brother, and Jonadab was a very subtle man. And he said unto him, Why art thou, being the king's son, leaned from day to day? Wilt thou not tell me? And Amnon said unto him, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. And Jonadab said unto him, Lay thee down on thy bed, and make thyself sick. And when thy father cometh to see thee, say unto him, I pray thee, let my sister Tamar come, and give me meat, and dress the meat in my sight, that I may see it, and eat it at her hand. So Amnon lay down and made himself sick, and when the king was come to see him, Amnon said unto the king, I pray thee, let Tamar my sister come, and make me a couple of cakes in my sight, that I may eat at her hand. Then David sent home to Tamar, saying, Go now to thy brother Amnon's house, and dress his meat. So Tamar went to her brother Amnon's house, and he, uh, and he was laid down. And she took flour and kneaded it, and made cakes in his sight, and did bake the cakes. And she took a pan and poured them out before him, but he refused to eat. And Amnon said, Have have out all men from me. And they went out every man from him. 
And Amnon said unto Tamar, Bring the meat into the chamber, that I may eat of thine hand. And Tamar took the cakes which she had made, and brought them into the chamber to Amnon her brother. And when she had brought them into, unto him to eat, he took, her of hold, took hold of her, and said unto her, Come lie with me, my sister. And she answered him, Nay, my brother, do not force me, for no such thing ought to be done in Israel. Do not thou this folly. And I, whither shall I cause my shame to go? And as for thee, thou shalt be as one in the fools of Israel. Now therefore, I pray thee, speak unto the king, for he will not withhold, from, he will not withhold me from thee. Howbeit he would not hearken unto her voice, but being stronger than she, forced her and lay with her. Then Amnon hated her exceedingly, so that the hatred wherewith he hated her was greater than the love wherewith he had loved her. And Amnon said unto her, Arise, be gone. And she said unto him, There is no cause. This evil in sending me away is greater than the other that thou didst unto me. But he would not hearken unto her. Then he called his servant that ministered unto him, and said, Put now this woman out from me, and bolt the door after her. And she had a garment of divers colors upon her, for with such robes were the king's daughters that were virgins apparelled. Then his servant brought her out and bolted the door after her. And Tamar put ashes on her head and rent her garment of divers colors that was on her, on her, and laid her hand on her head and went on crying. And Absalom, her brother, said unto her, Hath Amnon thy brother been with thee? But hold, hold now thy peace, my sister, he is thy brother, regard not this thing. So Tamar remained desolate in her brother Absalom's house. But when King David heard of all these things, he was very wroth. Amnon did not really love Tamar. Once he had gratified his lust, he despised her. How often is such gross unfairness toward women demonstrated by evil men? They exploit women and then despise the women rather than themselves. Amnon would not save Tamar from disgrace by making her a part of his household as a wife or concubine. Knowing that she had been disgraced and would therefore be deprived of a husband, Tamar mourned in the manner of a widow. David was furious because of the way Amnor had treated Tamar, but what could he do or say? His own conduct with Bathsheba had left him without a basis for condemnation. Here was another result of sin. Because of his own guilt, David did not act to correct this great abomination in his own household. David learned the sad lesson that a man's sins can often visit him, even to the third and fourth generations. That was out of the Institute Manual. Verse 22, And Absalom spake unto his brother Amnon, neither good nor bad, but for Absalom hated Amnon, because he had forced his sister Tamar. In this instance also it was carnal lust that kindled the devouring flame. The gloss of the Septuagint is likely to be correct that David left unpunished the incest of Amnon with Tamar, although committed under peculiarly aggravating circumstances on account of his partially partiality for him as being his firstborn son. This indulgence on the part of his father may also account for the daring recklessness which marked Amnon's crime. The sentence of the divine law upon such sin was indeed unmistakable, but a doting father smiting or smitten with moral weakness might find in the remembrance of his own past sin an excuse for delay, if not a barrier to action, for it is difficult to wield a heavy sword with a maimed arm. That was by Edersheim. 23. And it came to pass that after two full years that Absalom had sheep shears in Balhazor, which is beside Ephraim, and Absalom invited all the king's sons. And Absalom came to the king and said, Behold, now thy servant hath sheep shears. Let the king, I beseech thee, and his servants go with thy servant. And to the king, and the king said to Absalom, Nay, my son, let us not all now go, lest we be char chargeable unto thee. And he pressed him, howbeit he would not go, but blessed him. Then said Absalom, If not, I pray thee, let my brother Amnon go with us. And the king said unto him, Why should he go with thee? 
But Absalom pressed him that he let Amnon and all the king's sons go with him. Now Absalom had commanded his servants, saying, Mark ye now, when Amnon's heart is merry with wine, and when I say unto you, Smite Amnon, then kill him. Fear not, have not I commanded you. Be courageous and be valiant. And the servants of Absalom did unto Amnon as Absalom had commanded. Then all the king's sons arose, and every man gat him upon his mule and fled. And it came to pass, when they were in the, in the way, that tidings came to David, saying, Absalom hath slain all the king's sons, and there is not one of them left. Then the king arose, and tare his garments, and lay on the earth, and all his servants stood by with their clothes rent. And Jonadab, the son of Shemiah, David's brother, answered and said, Let not my lord suppose that they have slain all the young men of the king's sons, for Amnon only is dead. For by the appointment of Absalom this hath been determined from the day that he forced his sister Tamar. Now therefore let not my lord the king take the thing to his heart, to think that all the king's sons are dead, for Amnon only is dead. But Absalom fled, and the young men that kept the watch lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, there came much people by the way of the hillside behind him. And Jonadab said unto the king, Behold, the king's sons come, as thy servant said, so it is. And it came to pass, as soon as he had made an end of speaking, that, behold, the king's sons came, and lifted up their voice and wept, and the king also, and all his servants wept very sore. But Absalom fled, and went to Talmai, the son of Amahad, king of Geshur, and David mourned for his son every day. So Absalom fled, and went to Geshur, and was there three years. And the, and the soul of king David longed to go forth unto Absalom, for he was comforted concerning Amnon, seeing he was dead. Great as Absalom's crime had been, we can readily understand that popular sympathy would in large measure be on the side of the princely offender. He had been provoked beyond endurance by a dastardly outrage when the king would not punish because the criminal was his favorite. To the popular, especially the eastern mind, the avenger of Tamar might appear in the light of a, of a hero rather than of an offender. Besides, Absalom had everything about him to win the multitude. Without any bodily blemish from head to foot, he was by far the finest-looking man in Israel. Common report had it that when obliged once a year, on account of its thickness, to have his long flowing hair cut, it was put as a matter of curiosity in the scales and found amounting to the almost incredible weight of twenty shekels. How well able he was able to he was to ingratiate himself by his manners, the, the after history sufficiently shows. Such was the man who had been left in, in banishment these three years, while Amnon had been allowed so far as the king was concerned to go unpunished. And that was by Alfred Edersheim. So that's the end of the chapter, and we'll see you next time. Bye.